Good morning, Church of Jesus Christ. Gathered here at Pleasant Street Church, the Lord be with you. Thank you. My name is Becky. I'm on staff here at Pleasant Street Church, and welcome to worship this morning. I'd like to welcome any of you who are worshiping with us this morning that don't always come here, that if you are visiting, welcome. We're so glad that you've come and chosen to make Pleasant Street your worshiping home this morning. If you are worshiping with us online, welcome. We're so glad that you are here with us and joining us, if not in person, still joining us as well. And also, welcome to John and Carol Berthelet, and I don't know where they, there they are, over in the back. John and Carol Berthelet are our missionaries for Wycliffe Bible Translators, and they are with us this morning, and they will also be sharing a little bit later on in our service about their work. And just a brief um, introduction they're going to give to us during the service, and then also after the service, there will be time to, for more questions and more conversation with them. So welcome, John and Carol. So we've welcomed visitors. We've welcomed members. We have welcomed those online. We have welcomed John and Carol. But what's more important is that God has welcomed us to worship this morning. He is the one that calls us to worship. So why don't we take a few moments now and prepare our hearts for worshiping our living God. Lord, our God, we trust your promise to be among us as we gather. We come in the name of Christ, drawn by your spirit, eager to hear your word. Fill our hearts with your spirit and prepare us for faithful service. Amen. I invite you now to rise in body or in spirit as God himself calls us to worship. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Thank you. 
has saved my life and freely pardon gives. I love because he first loved me. I live because he lives. Sometimes I wonder, do our lives show that he lives? Do our lives show that he loves and that we can love? Does our worship show that God has redeemed us? That's why we take this time in our worship to confess that really it's not. We don't live our lives throughout the week saying that, God, you are so good. Instead, we say, "Mm, God, (laughs) I want to do this or I want to do that. So here we go, once again, let's take some time and confess before our God. Eternal God, you do not change. You have revealed yourself to us in your word. You call us to worship you in spirit and in truth together. But we confess that we often worship not your true self, but who we wish you to be. We too often ask you to bless what we do rather than seeking to do what you bless. Forgive us for seeking concessions when we should be seeking guidance. Forgive us when our worship shapes you into what we want instead of shaping us into what you want. Help us to meet you here, God, that we might bow before your unspeakable majesty and so live for you now and ever in Christ. Amen. Friends, let's take some time of silent confession. Kyrie eleison means, Lord, have mercy. Christe eleison means, Christ, have mercy. We're going to continue in prayer with with this song.
these words of assurance from Ezekiel. God says through the prophet, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And we say together, thanks be to God. Will you rise now in body or in spirit and hear this guide to grateful living? Because as God has forgiven us, we need to now live lives that show that we are living in his forgiveness. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And will you respond with words of dedication from the Heidelberg Catechism, saying together, Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, 
is also restoring us by his spirit into his image so that with our whole lives we may show that we are thankful to God for his benefits so that he may be praised through us so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits and so that by our godly living our neighbors may be won over to Christ. Friends, wait a minute. Yes. By his spirit into his image, so that with our whole lives we may show that we are his, so that he may be praised through us, so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits. And so that by our godly living, our neighbors may be won over to Christ. Sometimes it's good to say things twice, I guess, to get it in our heads. <laughs> Friends, the peace of Christ be with you. Let's take a few moments to share that peace with each other. Can I have all the Kids Street kids up? today. Oh my goodness. People of God, what is our prayer? <laughs> Lord, continue to show us your wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unfaithing, always and forever love. Amen. The Lord be with you. Also with you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Good morning. All right. Um, I'm Thalia Toll, and I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street, and it's my privilege to lead us in a congregational prayer this morning. And because it is Faith Promise Sunday, our prayer is really going to focus on our missionaries this morning. Our Faith Promise Committee reached out to all our missionaries and asked for their input into their prayer requests, and that's what I'll be bringing today. Um, let's bow our heads. Creator God, we come before you today to offer your worship, offer you worship and praise. You are a God of beauty, and we stand in awe of all you have created. 
You have loved us more than we could ever know, and you have chosen us to be your adopted heirs. Thank you for your unchanging promises to us and, your faith, and for your faithfulness to us. As our focus today is on the ministries that we support through Faith Promise Pledges, we thank you for the kingdom work of these ministries. They have listened to your call to go out and become fishers of men and women, and we thank them for their tireless work. We pray for protection for them wherever they may be. We pray that the hearts they come into contact with would be open and willing to hear and receive the beautiful and life-altering truth of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we bring before you today Steve and Sandy Frieswick. We praise you for the many donations of bikes and the opportunities it provides to share the gospel message with those who do not know about you. We pray for Steve as he works with men struggling with addiction, and we pray for their community that struggles with gang violence. May Steve's interactions with the young men of their area lead them to you, Lord. May Steve have renewed joy, hope, energy, and compassion as they strive to reflect the grace of God in Christ to their community. We pray for our brother Travoris Weaver and the prison ministry that he is a part of. We pray for God's guidance and direction for the overall ministry as he considers and looks to replant a prison church, for the building of relationships and the continuity of care for the inmates, both in prison and when they are discharged from prison. And we pray that the gospel would spread through the prison and people would come to know you. Lord, we bring before you our brother Mike Sullivan and the ministry of Emmaus City. We ask you, Lord, to guide Pastor Mike and the church council as they seek your guidance and direction as they relaunch city groups and DNA small groups in the midst of the ongoing pandemic. We pray that more leaders will be raised. We thank you for several new people showing interest in Emmaus City. May they feel warmly and lovingly received within this community. May your church grow and flourish in Worcester, and may Emmaus City grow in maturity, discipleship, evangelism, and in number of members. We pray for Reframe Ministries and the work we support in Russia with Sergei Sosetkin and in China with Jerry Ann. We ask for a blessing on the radio ministry in Russia and the online broadcasts that are available we pray that many people will be reached and come to know you. It has been a very difficult year for Jerry Ann's ministry as the Chinese government has put in place stringent censorship on media and removed all their programming on major channels. We pray for a blessing on their work as they turn their focus towards a more streamlined publishing ministry. We praise you that they have already published five books and are working on three more and that this is an avenue of communication that readers are still able to access and share. We pray for wisdom and patience for their team and for the training that needs to happen, and also for safety and health for staff members, especially those in China. Lord, we bring before you the work of Larry and Ruth Spalink through Resonate in Japan. We pray that they might be able to deploy a new missionary for Japan, and we pray also for new workers that are needed. We pray the work of the Holy Spirit will break down the numerous barriers 
that keep people from really hearing and responding to the good news of new life in Jesus. We pray for the ministry of Mission India. We pray for Christians to stay strong as persecution is high in India. We pray for relief from the COVID pandemic. And thank you for new opportunities that have come through relief work. We thank you that new doors have been opened to share Jesus' love and his redemption and that lives have been transformed. Lord, we bring before you the ministry of Wycliffe Bible Translators. We praise you for the many years of service of Gordon and Shirley Koistra. We pray for continued health for Gordon and thank you for the goodness that you have shown to him in these last months. We pray for a blessing on the work of David and Jan Koistra with Wycliffe. We pray that David's work with the JARS aviation training staff will be blessed as they work towards a new mentoring program for mechanics that need more in-depth training before being sent out to aviation ministry fields. We praise you that this program will be starting early next year with two students, and we pray that two other students will be led to join them. We pray for John and Carol Berthelet and their work with Wycliffe as well. We are so thankful that they are here with us today and will be able to share more about their work with us. We especially pray for Carol's father as he is recovering from a heart attack and may need a pacemaker. We pray for healing and guidance in decision-making when needed. And we pray for John and the loss of his mother this past year. Lord, comfort him and give John and his family peace during this time. We pray for Carol's work in checking the letter to the Romans and soon the Gospel of John. We pray that they note passages that could be improved and come up with clear, natural ways to do that. And we pray for John's work with the Central African linguistic team, that they will work together effectively and efficiently and prioritize well. We pray that the Holy Spirit will inspire their thinking as they plan their work. We pray for Karen Masso as she is involved in coordinating groups to help out in the African community where she lives. Lord, we bring before you the work of Scott Larson with Straight Ahead Ministries. We pray that more juvenile facilities will open soon as this is happening slowly because of COVID spikes. We pray for the re-entry of their work in Worcester, New Bedford and Lawrence, and for a new site they are working towards in Manchester. Manchester, New Hampshire. Lead them to the right person to hire for this new site. And although not part of our Faith Promise Ministries, we also bring before you the needs of Healing Hearts Hospitality House. As Carol Lewis informed us that they received news from their landlord that they will lose their current location. We thank you for their vital work in supporting families and friends of hospitalized patients in the greater Worcester area. And we pray that if it is your will, that new doors will be opened and they will find a new location soon and be able to continue their work. As we turn to your word this morning and message, we pray for a blessing on Pastor Matthew. May you speak to us through his words. Open our hearts and our minds to what you want us to hear. And, we may, and may we know you better through this message. May the Holy Spirit fill us. All this we pray through the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Jonah 2, verse 1 to 3, verse 3. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, have brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. My name is Matthew. uh, And if you are just joining us or you're visiting with us today, we have been going through the book of Jonah together this fall, slowly. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come together this morning empty-handed. We come realizing that whatever we were holding on to as we walked into this place, nothing compares with what you have offered to us. We come as those who have died, and who are rising again to something new. And so we ask, O God, that in this time together, you would come by your Spirit, and that you would help us to put to death that which keeps us apart from you, that you would raise us up into a new life that only you can give. Thank you for your story in Jonah. We trust that somehow through these very old words, 
you draw near to us. And so we ask that you would do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. This fall, we are doing a slow walk through the book of Jonah together and like taking your time on a beautiful fall day. The slow walk through Jonah helps us notice things that we might not have seen before. One of the things that I think is really interesting about this story is that it's not over. (laughs) Jonah is vomited out of his watery grave and the story continues. It actually doesn't just continue, does it? It starts over. It's a little bit like the movie Groundhog Day, I think. The things that we heard on September 12th in Jonah chapter 1, somehow they're starting all over again from the very beginning. In chapter 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. In chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. In chapter 1, verse 2, Jonah is given a message. In chapter 3, verse 2, Jonah is given a message. In chapter 1, verse 3, Jonah responds. In chapter 3, verse 3, Jonah responds. Jonah is sent a second time to do the same exact thing he was sent to do the first time. And in fact, this is really important for us to notice because the story is arranged in a way to want to show this to us. Jonah is arranged in in two scenes or panels, if you think about it, and they have the same themes in them. Structurally, the same thing happens twice. And if the same thing is going to happen again for the second time, we should be asking, what's different? Well, obviously, one of the things that's different is that this time Jonah obeys. That is true. In fact, you know, you could read this story as if that were the entire point, right? That Jonah is supposed to obey, and he doesn't obey, and so now what does God need to do? God has to go get Jonah, turn him around, and get him to obey, like a robot going the wrong direction. You got to get to it and pick it up and turn it around and wind it back up again so it goes the the other way. So God goes and gets Jonah and he sends him back. But here's what I want to suggest. A lot of the time, when we read the Bible, what we are used to reading it for is obedience. For what we're supposed to do. And I think you can see this most clearly sometimes in how we tell Bible stories to children. I have a colleague, uh, Professor Bob Keeley, and he teaches education and faith formation. Uh, Kids and students are his wheelhouse. He thinks a lot about how they learn and how they grow. And he used to say that you you can tell how well we understand the Bible by what we teach our children to see in the Bible. Wait, it gets more uncomfortable. Dr. Keeley said that most of the time, the point of the Bible story in kids' versions is some kind of moral. David was brave when he faced Goliath. You can be brave like David when you're scared. You can be a helper like Rahab. You can be patient like Joseph. You can share your toys like the boy shared his fish and bread with Jesus. 
Now, Professor Keeley's point is not that morals are bad. We could probably use a little bit more in our household. His point is that the way that we tell stories reveals that what we think is most important for our kids to understand is compliance. And perhaps maybe because that's what we think God wants from us. Jonah was given a hard job to do. He disobeyed God. God goes and gets Jonah. Jonah does the hard job. Be like Jonah. And I wonder, I wonder if a lot of the time when we talk about being the church, about following God, about making disciples, about sharing our faith, about loving our neighbors, I wonder how often this is what we are hearing God wants you to talk about Jesus and love your neighbors. You keep avoiding talking about Jesus and loving your neighbors. Be like Jonah. And so, my friends, that is why we have to slow down. Because that's not the gospel. And God is not content simply to do a course correction in our lives. Imagine with me two people for a second. They live in the same town. They go to the same church. They go every week. They sing the same songs with gusto. They attend the same Bible study. They volunteer at the same shelter. On the surface, you'd be hard-pressed to tell what's different between the two of them. On the surface, they both look like they're doing what God wants. But what you can't see from the surface is this. That one of them is doing all of this because she is sure that God loves her. And the other is doing all of it because she is not. And that makes all the difference. And that is why if we are going to understand what Jonah is trying to tell us, we cannot just read it for obedience. We have to go deeper. We in fact have to go all the way to the bottom which is where Jonah is again today. Before Jonah gets the same call for a second time, Jonah goes to the very bottom of the world. And there at the bottom of the world, trapped in this fish, which is a living coffin of sorts for him, Jonah, it's like he looks up. And he can see all of us on the surface doing something that maybe we can't see from here. And he says what it is in verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit God's love for them. Idols? What, you mean like statues and stuff? I know. It may seem a little bit hard to take this seriously from a guy with seaweed wrapped around his head. But nevertheless, Jonah has discovered something that is true in the heart of every person in this world. And if we're going to understand the heart of the story of Jonah, we have to see it too. What does Jonah see? We worship things that are not God. I know that when Jonah says idolatry, it conjures up for images of us temples and statues and people in flowy robes and such. And you're right. 
we don't always call it salvation. Sometimes we call it flourishing. We don't call our personal fitness trainer a priest or the gym a temple. But the way that we offer a sacrifice of another 12 reps, the way we deny that second cookie and take in the holy food of whole foods, you might think that we do. We don't call health an idol, but somehow it seems like we keep coming back for a divine pronouncement of you are healthy, you are beautiful, you are desirable. Nor do we call our financial advisor a priest or the free markets a god. But if you look at the way that sometimes we pour over the numbers and seek their words on stocks and investments, you might think we were trying to divine the great mysteries of the stock market. No, we don't call things like investing an idol. But more than anything, it is our promise of a future in a life flowing with milk and honey. And you are right. We don't call our employers priests or the workplace a temple. But in the way that we serve them with near single-minded devotion, you might think we expected them to confer on us the divine promise that we belong to something much bigger than ourselves. No. You're right. We don't call work an idol but we do dress ourselves in the habits and clothes that they give us in the hopes that we might have an identity. We don't call it idolatry, but we are doing the same things. Taking the needs in our hearts, the things that we long for, and projecting them onto things in this world saying, here is your God. And then clinging to them in the hopes that they will satisfy us. But what Jonah can see from the bottom is that all of these things are worthless because they can't keep their promises. C.S. Lewis put it like this, most people, if they've really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they can never quite keep their promise. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife, or the husband a good husband. The hotels and scenery may be excellent, and, the chemist and chemistry may be a very interesting job. But something has evaded us. Jonah's observation from the bottom looking up about idolatry goes even further because what he is saying is that it's not just that we make gods of things in this world and they can't save us. The real problem is that we can't stop. John Calvin once said, the human heart is a factory of idols. What he meant is that we are forever taking good things in this world and clinging to them as if they can save us. And the truth, my friends, is that production never quits. We cannot help but cling to the things in this world. And the cost, as Jonah shows us, is that the things that we cling to, what they're doing is they're only ever putting us further away from the one thing that we really want, which is God. 
Thomas Chalmers was an early 19th century pastor and theologian in Scotland, and he once preached this marvelous sermon called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And in it, he was dealing with exactly this problem, right? Our hearts cling to things, and they have to cling to something. But everything that we cling to, every idol we have, it can't satisfy us. And because we keep clinging to the wrong things, what happens is we become like them. We worship wealth and become as unmerciful as our debt. We worship success and become intolerant of weakness. We cling to power and become only... uh, only as moral as the ends need us to be. And we know this. Chalmers says, you can talk till you're blue in the face on a Sunday about death, about the worthlessness of these idols. You can show people Jonah going to the bottom and God showing us that none of it can keep us afloat anyway, about their vanity, and people will agree with you and they will see the folly of setting their hearts on a car, a relationship, or a career when in fact they were made for God. But what happens? The alarm clock goes off on Monday morning and they, we pick them right back up again. Why? Because nature abhors a vacuum, and so does the human heart. We have to love something. And so the only way to change us as people really is not just to keep taking the idols away, but it is to give us something infinitely more valuable to love and to hold instead. Chalmers writes, the love of idols cannot be expunged by a mere demonstration of their worthlessness. The heart cannot be prevailed upon to part with the world by a simple act of resignation. The only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. Have you ever seen a child collect toys in their arms? They see something they like and they pick it up. Then they see something else they like, and they pick that up too. And on it goes. And they will hold everything that they possibly can. It will not occur to them to put any of those things down. And if you try to take one of them away, they will resist you. How do you get their hands free? Hold out an ice cream cone. And Chalmers is saying that we are the same way. And that is why, if we are going to understand the book of Jonah, we have to see that this story is about so much more than just making sure we turn the right direction when we leave the building on Sunday. Friends, every Sunday the call comes again. We hear the same thing. The God who brings us here is the one who sends us back out again. The call will come again today, in fact. Go to the world, go to work, go to your family, go to school. But if we are going to hear the call as freedom, as life, as gift, as a song that you can sing in the tomb itself, we have to hear it from the heart. Friends, God does not want to give you new opinions about your neighbors. God does not want you to donate money because you're supposed to. God does not want to give you a new set of directions. He wants to give you a new heart. 
And that is why God was so adamant that our ancestors in Israel should not make carvings or pictures or statues of God because God was going to give them his own image. We didn't have to make up what God looks like because God, the plan always was to come and show us. And that's what he does in Jesus. The firstborn of all creation, the very first thing to ever exist, the image of the invisible God, Paul sings for us in Colossians. The gospel is medicine, my friends, because the gospel is the news that God has presented himself to us in a way that we could never come up with on our own. Jesus comes to us. The word of the Lord comes to us in the flesh, not so we can just hear it, but so that we can see it so that we can look at him, so that we can hear him, so that we can follow him, so that we can see him loving us, so we can drop everything and love him back. Friends, the gospel is not go and do it. The gospel is look again and behold the wonder of what God has done for you. And yes, it is still true. The call to follow will come again and it will come again. And that is why we have to look again and again and again what was that but a wonderful moment earlier in our service when, in fact, we said this twice? <laughs> and Becky was right. It is good to say it more than once. In fact, that's why we say it every Sunday. Friends, as your heart hard as hard as a stone from the power trips that you've been on in this world, behold Jesus' power who was silent before his persecutors and put himself in the hands of his enemies for you? Is your heart numb from chasing beauty and all her diminishing returns? Behold Jesus' beauty, who is willing to be marred for you. Is your heart paralyzed with fear from hoarding wealth? Behold Jesus' wealth, who was willing to spend everything he had in order to get you back. Is your heart ticking like a bomb from all the grievances that you carry? Behold Jesus' justice, who gladly paid your debt. Is your heart full of fear and doubt that nothing does matter? Behold Jesus' courage, who faced spiritual death and the void of nothingness for you. If this is your heart in any way, then I have good news, friends. For the living God has come again today. And Jesus says, here, may I have that? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, you have redeemed us by your blood, and you are restoring us by your Spirit into your own image, so that with our whole lives we could show that we really truly are, from the depths of our being, thankful to you for all that you've done so that you could be praised through us every single day, so that we could be assured that our faith is true because of the way that we live and the way we treat each other, and so that by the way that we live, our neighbors might wonder what we have that is different. And so we ask, O oh Christ, that you would present yourself to us in all your reality, that we might hear the call again, drop whatever we are holding and hold on to you. Amen.
As a church, we've been working together to figure out how we can better comprehend and understand what we're learning together in our sermons. One of the ways we've been doing that is through sermon discussions, but also we have opportunities for some of our younger folks to do that individually. And so our third through fifth grade students have an opportunity now uh, through the ECHO program to come up and to go and talk with uh, one of our elders about the sermon. Uh, So would you guys go ahead and come on up? People of God, what is our prayer? There we go. Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard. Plant it deep in our hearts and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. We continue our response to God together, normally by lifting up in response to God some of what he's given to us for our offerings. Um, We have not been able to do this by passing baskets as a church, but there's still ways for us to be giving, whether you drop checks off in the box in the front during the week or giving online. We're reminded today, too, that when we give, we are not just funding the work of our congregation, but we are also funding and participating in the work that God is doing throughout the world. Thalia helped us remember that we support a lot of missionaries, right? And today, we have two guests with us, so I want to invite John and Carol up, uh, and they're going to talk for us, they're going to give us some greetings and talk just for a minute about the work that they are doing. He didn't want to say briefly, but I think that's what he was about to say. (laughs) We're going to be talking more after the service. I'm John Berthelet. I'm Carol. Yeah, and we're here for a short visit. Some of you, some of you know us. Um, we work with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Where uh, our focus of ministry is the Central African Republic. And uh, our roles are to help individuals and pastors take slow walks through books of the Bible. You're doing that through Jonah, but a lot of people don't have access to the word and can't do that. And so Carol serves as a translation consultant. She uh, helps uh, teams who come up with drafts to refine their drafts so that uh, it sounds more natural and it's more faithful to the original. And my work is more in the background. I uh, help prepare language groups to have God's word in a written form, whether it's in helping them develop their alphabet or in helping them with a dictionary or in helping them learn how to make their translations more natural in training. So that's a kind of a nutshell of what we do. Thank you for all your support, uh, both in prayer and financially. We really appreciate it.
And uh, please do join us after the service. Uh, when worship ends together, at least in this format, we're going to go out there, uh, join us for coffee and snacks, and then shortly after that, come on back because uh, John and Carol are going to be showing us some slides and presenting more in depth about the work that they're going to do, and then we're going to actually have a chance to get a different microphone for me to hold. But uh, no, actually, we're going to have a chance to, to sit together and talk more in depth about the work that they're doing, but also what we might be able to learn from them um, as fellow believers and people and share some ways in the same kind of a call. Um, so friends, uh, would you rise in body or in spirit at home or here in person? Because the God, here it comes, who brought us here together this morning is the same God who sends us out. And he doesn't just send us out. He gives us a blessing and a promise to go with us no matter where this week takes us. So friends, go in peace as the reaffirmed church of Jesus Christ. Together, we go to be his body in a broken world. May the grace of God and the love of Christ go with you. Amen. Let's sing together.
in peace and have a great week. Keep Jesus in your sight.